Blog Talk Radio. Time NFL Podcast. My name is Richard Wong and I am the Editor-in-Chief of Football Garbage Time. And with me as always is Senior Staff Writer Ryan Whitfield. We have a lot to talk about today. We're going to be talking about all the new head coaches around the NFL, including and uh, with the Colts, the Bears, the Raiders, the Giants, the Lions, the Titans, and the Cardinals, so lots to talk about there. We're also going to talk about A.J. McCarron hitting free agency after winning his grievance against the Bengals. And we got the Miami Dolphins franchise tagging Jarvis Landry and much more. There's lots to talk about. And it is freaking hot here today. We are in the 70s here in New York. It's unbelievable. So without further ado, I want to uh, get us started with a little bit on the head coaching position. So uh, let's go ahead and get rolling. So guess what, guys? It's the offseason, and the head coaches are come, and they are all over the place. That's right, red alert. We've got head coaches coming in brand new all over the NFL, and last year we saw the impact that could have on your team, like with Sean McVay and others. It's uh, it's a little bit of a toss-up. So all these new coaching changes so early in the season will be really interesting. And the first one we're going to start with is Frank Reich, who is now with the Indianapolis Colts. And after the whole Josh McDaniels fiasco, the Colts decided just to go to the other sideline of Super Bowl 52 and grab the offensive coordinator from the Eagles, Frank Reich. The Colts and Reich have agreed to terms on a five-year contract to make Reich the next head coach of the Colts. Reich is a former quarterback and began his coaching career in 2006 as an intern with the Colts and eventually was promoted to coaching the quarterbacks and wide receivers until 2012 when he left to become the wide receivers coach for the Cardinals. And in 2013, he was hired by the Chargers as their quarterback coach and became the team's offensive coordinator the following year before joining the Eagles in 2016. So now that the Eagles have Frank Reich uh, at the point where he is uh, a, a name that one people want to want to bring in as a head coach, uh, it's a really interesting situation since with the Eagles, uh, we all know that Doug Peterson is the guy on the offensive side of the ball. He's the man who usually calls most of not all the plays and is in charge of most of not all of the offense. So what actually does Frank Reich do it's a little bit unclear, but he is still their offensive coordinator, and he still does uh, is involved with the way the plays are set up and with getting the offensive line and the offensive uh, play calling into place. So going to the Colts will be an interesting move. They obviously were in on having an offensive-minded uh, coach there in Indianapolis. That's why they went after Josh McDaniels. And after the entire Josh McDaniels issue, um, clearly there was going to be a problem um, if they weren't going to bring in another offensive-minded coach. So Frank Wright makes a lot of sense uh, from that perspective. But it doesn't, he doesn't have quite the track record that Josh McDaniels have, and that will be a really interesting development to see how that works out coming up uh, uh, in, the near, in the near future. Uh, at any rate, let's go ahead and move on to the next, uh, next head coach that we have on the list here today, and that is 
um, Matt Nagy of the Chicago Bears. So that's going to be a really interesting one um, as far as I'm concerned. And that's, I'm not just saying that because of the fact that I am a big fan of the Chicago Bears. But after three years of John Fox leading the team to the, to the cellar, essentially, the Bears have moved on and named the Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator their next head coach. Uh, now, Nagy has spent the last five seasons in Kansas City, First as a quarterback's coach before being the offensive coordinator in 2016. And under Nagy, the Chiefs progressively improved in points scored from 13th in 2016 to 6th in 2017. The Chiefs also saw improvement in yards gained, moving from 27th in 2015 all the way to 5th in 2017. Former Oregon head coach Mark Helfrich will be Nagy's offensive coordinator, and Vic Bangio got a three-year deal to remain the defensive coordinator. Now, Nagy himself was also a quarterback at the University of Delaware and, and actually in arena football from 2002 to 2008. And after that stint, he actually became a real estate agent around Chicago before becoming a coaching intern in Philadelphia around a year later and working his way up the ranks. So, uh, Ryan, let's go to you here and uh, talk about um, the new head coach of the Chicago Bears, Matt Nagy, uh, and then we're going to circle back because I want to get your thoughts on Frank Reich, uh, who is now the new head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. But let's start with Matt Nagy first. Uh, what are your thoughts about him and the Chicago Bears? Ryan? Hello? Hey, Ryan, there you are. <laughs> oh, no, this isn't Ryan. I just called in. So that's oh, I'm sorry. Okay, Ryan, I, I thought you were – I got it wrong. Hey, uh, welcome to the show. What a, uh, so who uh, who do we have on the line here? Yeah, this is Naj. I'm in Atlanta, so, I mean, I'll wait. I can take Ryan's place till he gets there, all right? <laughs> all right. Well, I'll tell you what, Naj. So what was your what was your question for us? Uh, well, you guys are talking NFL head coaches, so I, I'll jump right in on the biggest one. Uh, the Gruden situation. Okay. Is there yep. ever a time when a coach is actually worth that much as far as monetary value and then locking in a long-term contract like that to where now he's determining roster moves and is he doing right. these things to keep his job or make things better for him? So I, I just think that that particular move, uh, people are going to use that as kind of a measuring stick on coaches from now on as far as contracts. Yeah. But to me, it right. sounds horrible. But I want to hear what y'all think. Well, I mean, that's a great point. I mean, he is obviously – everyone knows John Gruden. <laughs> Probably the worst-kept secret ever is that the Raiders finally named uh, John Gruden their new head coach. He is actually receiving about $100 million on a 10-year contract, which is obnoxious in my opinion, 10 years – uh, you know, so I understand if you look at the way they set it up in San Francisco, they had a six-year contract situation set up there. Makes sense, right? You want to rebuild and go from there. But the fact of the matter is with a 10-year contract, that just goes out too far. And $100 million, I mean, let's keep in mind that John Gruden has not coached in about 10 years. I mean, uh, you know, we, we all know about uh, what he's done in the time in between. And we know what he accomplished when he was a head coach. We know that in Tampa Bay in 2003, his first year with them, he did win Super Bowl uh, 37. And he was the youngest coach at that time to win that, 39 years, five months, nine days. Uh, so that is something. But, you know, since that time, it's been almost 10 years. Uh, and during that time, what has he done? He has been an analyst on ESPN. You know, all know Gruden's quarterback camp. He's been an analyst for Monday Night Football. And he's done numerous commercials for Corona Beer. So does that really qualify him to get – $100 million over 10 years, it's a, it's a little bit unclear to me. 
Uh, Ryan, are are you on the line now? I just I almost uh almost got uh, Nazik. Yeah, I'm I'm here. I'm, uh, I'm about the worst co-host in the world. I uh, <laughs> I'm heading out to Colorado uh, tomorrow morning um, for a wedding for the weekend. So uh, unfortunately, I have to get my hair cut here in about uh, eight minutes. So I'm going to give you about eight minutes of hot takes and let you take it home after that. So um, okay, all right, all right. It, but I'm here right. now for the all next right. eight. So let's fire away. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to go run through these, and then we're going to circle back to this question Nas had about John Gruden, which I, you know, I obviously have some issues with the contract as well. Let's, let's, why don't you give us your hot takes, uh, Ryan, on Frank Reich, and then uh, we'll work from there. Frank Reich's the Indianapolis Colts, because I know you have a strong opinion about the Colts. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't mind the Frank Reich hiring. Um, you know, I think you know, how much he was in, in charge in Philadelphia, how much of that was Peterson, you know, I don't know, but um, you know, it's it's certainly much better than your Bears hiring the guy after collapsing in the second half of a game. Uh-oh. You know, this is a guy Uh-oh. who took a backup quarterback who won a Super Bowl. So, um, right. so yeah. So I, <laughs> overall, I like I, I like the hiring. Um, you know, and I think Ballard's a good GM. Um, you know, that's just a dysfunctional organization. Twice, you know, in the last five ten years here, and uh, hopefully they didn't ruin Andrew Luck like I think they did. Yeah, well, that's going to be a big question because Reich, obviously, again, as I was mentioning earlier, he is a former quarterback himself. He is actually a former quarterback and wide receiver coach. They're obviously all in on, on the offense here with Frank Reich. And, and as you mentioned, Doug Peterson did most of that play calling, so we'll see what he actually adds to the mix. And let's, let's skip over Matt Nagy because I know how you feel about my Bears. But let me just get your hot take on John Gruden because Nas called in and had a question about the fact that he is receiving, you know, a hundred million dollar contract here over 10 years. And I just mentioned he has not coached in over 10, in about 10 years. Uh, You know, what do you think about John Gruden and the Raiders and his contract? Uh, Stupid contract. One of the most overrated coaches in the history of football. Um, You know, something you just mentioned as I jumped on here, um, and not not to take a shot at you, but like the way he was almost phrased is almost like it was an accomplishment that he won it in his first year in Tampa. Yeah, he took Tony <laughs> Dungy's team and won a Super Bowl. Did he did he bring in John Lynch, Derek Brooks, uh, Rondé Barber? Did he bring in Warwick Dunn? I mean, that that entire team was handed to him. Uh, Fair so, enough. You know, I don't give him a ton of credit for what he did in Tampa. That defense was elite long before he got there. Um, you know, so so he did win it, and you know, and even in in Oakland. Uh, you know, we're going back to my, my early uh, teenager years and, you know, late uh, tween years. So how much he right. built in Oakland, I don't remember. But, you know, you had Jerry Rice and Charles Woodson in his prime. And, uh, uh, Jesus, I'm going to draw a blank on the, the Hall of Fame receiver there. Um, Allen, Jesus, whatever Tim his name Brown. is. Tim Allen? Tim Brown. Uh, Tim Brown. Tim, there we go. Tim Brown, thank you. Jesus. <laughs> uh, Tim Brown. So, um, you know, and I think oh, I think I saw recently overall, because, you know, I remember Gruden from, again, being a kid. And I had a really good uh, image of who he was. But you go back and look at it, he had a losing record. He's, he's not right. that good of a coach. Like So to, to extend him for 10 years, I mean, that's just Mark Davis from the Lucky Sperm Club doing Mark Davis things. <laughs> yeah, I know how you feel about Mark Davis. And, and I have to say that, you know, that this contract is, is, unridic- is ridiculously long. It, it doesn't. It doesn't make much sense to lock somebody in for that one time. And if you decide to bail on him early, I mean, you can go with this guy $100 million. This is not this is not chump change here, folks. This is a lot of money. This is this is Kirk Cousins' money coming in this offseason, $100 million, you know. So uh, I, I'm all in on that, too. I think that's – but I will take – I'll make a note, though, uh, Ryan. I don't even knew this, but at age 15, John Gruden attended Clay High School in South Bend, Indiana, 
home of the University of Notre Dame, and his father actually served as an assistant there to head coach Dan Devine. So because of that, I'll give him a little bit of a pass. And I did really enjoy his Corona commercials as well. But other than that, uh, I think you're right, Nas. I think this is not the standard that we want for head coaches. Six years, I can get on board with. Ten, I can't get on board with at all. All right. Yeah, Let me get... He's worth that than what is Bill worth? Yeah, right. Well, that's a good question. What is Bill worth? <laughs> uh, right. He's one of the best GMs in football and one of the best coaches, so he should be making at least twice what Gruden makes. Yeah, well, you know, but he hasn't done as he hasn't done as many TV spots as Gruden, so here you go. You know, <laughs> Gruden is a personal <laughs> guy. You know, the, the cost goes up. All right, let's go. Let's hit the next guy. Uh, let's hit Pat Shermer from New York Giants. Uh, he was just obviously the Vikings offensive coordinator, named the head coach of the New York Giants. He's had a long run, spending in 1999 to 2010 working up the ranks before getting his head coaching position of the Browns, but ended up nine and 23 in that time period of the Browns before moving on to be OC of the Eagles and then OC of the Vikings and now head coach of the Giants. Uh, Ryan, what's your cho- what's your thoughts on Pat Shermer going to the New York Giants? Yeah, you know, there's been so many coaches in Cleveland. I actually forgot, you know, when they announced him as a head coach, I was like, good, he's getting his first shot. I forgot he actually had his sitting already <laughs> in Cleveland. It was, it was um, forgettable. But, I'm, sure know, that Sh- I'm sure that Pat Shermer appreciated you forgot that, too. Yeah, I mean, I mean, who can be held accountable for what happens in Cleveland uh, as a coach? So <laughs> I don't put that against him. Um, but, yep. you know, with, uh, with Shermer, you know, that's a guy who had, you know, Case Keenum as his quarterback. And, um, you know, I think Stephon Diggs is a good player, but he's not – He's not an elite player in my mind. He's just he's that second tier receiver. So you got that, and I know Thielen had a great year, but I think um, you know I just don't think there's a ton of weapons. And my boy Dalvin Cook's going down early in the year. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, so to, to get what he got out of that team this year, and you know Zimmer's a, is obviously more of a defensive minded coach. So I think he um, that truly is the making of, of you know Pat Shermer that offense was this year. So right. I um, you know I really like the hiring. I think. Um, you know, at the end of the day, though, you, you, my, my, my opinions on Eli Manning the last three seasons are well established. And, um, you know, hopefully he's got some magic uh, pixie dust to, to try to resurrect, uh, you know, resurrect him in that offense. You know, once you get OBJ back, obviously they're going to be a top 15 offense. But, um, you know, with Eli, until he proves me wrong, you know, and stops throwing picks the way he has the last three years, it's going to be really yeah. hard for them to be, you know, an elite top 10, top five offense type deal. Yeah, I agree with all that. And I'm going to I'm going to actually circle back around and Nas, and if you used to hang on for a second, I want to get your take on Pat Shermer and the Giants uh, in light of what uh, we've been talking about here. But let me just step forward because I know Ryan you got to get off the line real soon. Let me talk about two of your boys, your previous boys, your Pats guys, Matt Patricia to the Lions, Mike Vrabel to the Titans. You got any thoughts on those two guys? Sorry, I was jumping out of the car. What was the second one? It was Matt Patricia and who? Mike Vrabel. Come on, man, Mike, Mike Vrabel. Vrabel. <laughs> um, you know, Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel could, uh, you know, could could be a good coach. I think it's an interesting. Uh, I think Mike Freeman tweeted this out a couple months ago. You know, it's interesting that when Romeo Cornell, his last year as a defensive coordinator, um, the the Texans were a top ten um, defense, and he gets demoted. And then Vrabel comes in, and they were one of the worst defenses in football, and he gets a head coaching job. Um, so yeah. pretty pretty ridiculous um, as far as. Uh, the you know the Matt Patricia I like Matt Patricia um, it's similar to the, the Nagy situation it's kind of interesting walking into a head coaching job after one of the worst defensive performances in the Super Bowl <laughs> and yeah. Bill Belichick's coaching tree outside of Bill O'Brien um, you know pretty much speaks for itself they really don't have any success on any level um, from Weiss to Cornell to these guys to McDaniel's stint so 
Um, you know, I'm not high on either one. With that, I am jumping off. You boys have a good rest right. of the show. All right. Thanks a lot, Ryan. Well, Nas, why don't you Thank hang you. around for a little bit? We'll get your takes on a couple things here. Let's, let's go ahead and jump back over to Pat Shermer. You got any thoughts on Pat Shermer of the Giants? I know you said you're in Atlanta. I know that they, you probably don't have your eyes on the Giants. Pat, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I guess, you know, he's respected in football circles. And, yeah, you know, you, you kind of got to salute that a little bit and say, well, maybe he can do the job. And they got some pieces there. But a lot of questions about Eli, as the guy uh, before me just said. But uh, the biggest thing with the Giants was Jerry Reese just did a bad job as far as roster construction and missing on early round picks. So that just put them in a bad position. So, right. you know, was it the coach? I, I wouldn't say it was the coach so much as it was just, you know, you, you put out a raggedy roster. There's only so much that can be done. Yes, I totally agree with that. Uh, and actually moving to the two other guys we were just talking about, Matt Patricia and Mike Vrabel. And I'll, I'll just quickly cover this for those who are listening in here. You know, Matt Patricia, for those who don't know, and you should know this because he was all over the screen, former New England Patriots defensive coordinator. He's tasked now with turning the Lions team around, around that has not won a playoff game since the 1991 season. And his uh, six seasons with the Patriots, Patricia's defensive units never ranked outside the top 10 in, as a scoring defense, and he's won two Super Bowl rings over that time. But he did slide pretty significantly in 2017, and particularly, as Ryan said, in Super Bowl 52, and that has raised some concerns. Uh, do you have any thoughts on Matt Patricia and the Detroit Lions? Yeah, man. How weird is it that growing a beard gives you a football guy type of legitimacy? Because, that, I mean, that, that's really exactly. what we're looking at here. You've seen him on the sidelines with that beard looking like a football and yep. people just kind of filled in the boxes later. Because you're right. His defenses have not performed well. And this year, especially, because, I mean, they were just bad outright. They right. knew they had to They're outright bad. for the win. So I yep. don't know how you turn that into a job. And the Vrabel situation, I, I look at it as even worse because not only does he not have the experience, good player that he was. But, man, why do we keep doing this to Marcus Mariota, man? This is a really good yeah. prospect. And I agree. he should be playing in a pass-first offense as opposed to what he had to play with the last few years. And now yeah. you bring in a defensive guy without you yeah. know, a real scheme offensively to be the coach? I don't get it, man. Put an offensive mind with Mariota so we can see that dude, you know, at his best. So I'm yeah, really I... disappointed with both I totally agree with that. I think Mike Rabel is actually very surprising to me. I mean, we all know that he's had a storied career as a player, uh, most of which was with the Patriots as a linebacker and as a part-time tight end. In fact, in Super Bowl 38, he did catch a touchdown from Brady, making him the first defensive player to score an offensive TD in a Super Bowl since Refrigerator Perry, one of my favorites from the Bears back in Super Bowl 20. But, you know... I don't see any head coaching chops here. I mean, he's been a linebacker coach pretty much his entire career, and he managed to be a defensive coordinator for one year, and all of a sudden he's a head coach. It, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And and being a defensive coordinator in uh, Houston, I mean, when they have all the pieces, how hard is that? I don't think that is. I mean, last year, obviously, all the pieces are gone. You know, you don't have J.J. Watt. You don't have – you know, have uh, Mer- you have a merciless, and you have a, a lot of issues of injuries. But, you know – I just don't see why they would want to do that in Tennessee. They're on the verge of actually getting somewhere. I agree. Marcus Mariota has a lot more to give. They really need to get him uh, really some good mentorship on the offensive side. This does not help his cause at all. Last, last head coach to talk about, and that is Steve Wilkes uh, of going to the Arizona Cardinals. He was with the Carolina Panthers as their defensive coordinator. He was named the Cardinals head, head coach on a four-year contract, a lot more reasonable. He spent most of his time coaching in college from 95 to 2005, including a stop at 
as a defensive backs coach at my beloved Notre Dame in 2004. He then went on to a, a series of NFL teams as a defensive backs coach until he finally got his opportunity to the Panthers defensive coordinator in 2017. And the Panthers linebackers coach Al Holcomb is going with him to Arizona. This is really interesting to me. I you know I have some feelings, strong feelings about what they're doing in Arizona. But you have any thoughts on Steve Wilkes going to the Arizona Cardinals? Uh, no, not really. Just because you know there's so much unknown about the guy. And if you're honest about this, Arizona's quarterback situation made that not the most you know wanted job out there. So I, I agree. don't think they could be too you know choosy about who they were getting. Because, I mean, what are you going to do? Carson's retiring. You really don't have anything on the roster as far as a quarterback. And you don't even have the draft capital to really make something happen and get one uh, the way that right. it's looking. So, yeah, hey, I don't know how, how enticing that job was. So, they, I mean, they may have had to settle to Yeah, I think that's probably true. And, actually, the the fact of the matter is that the Cardinals' defense is already good. So, bringing in a defensive guy like Wilkes, that's fine. I, I mean, I don't, I don't hate it, but you know, honestly, that they really need, as you pointed out, is a quarterback. Uh, and you know, Larry Fitzgerald is getting up there in age. He deserves to have a good quarterback back there throwing him passes because he, he should be, uh, he should be multiple Super Bowls in by this point. I mean, the guy's a, one of the best uh, wide receivers in the NFL. So you know, you got that. You got David Johnson. But you need to get somebody on offense. You need an offensive-minded person there. What I think will be key for Steve Wilkes is if he can find a good offensive coordinator over to join him in Arizona and really get that thing going and to find a good quarterback because uh, let's face it, folks. I mean, uh, maybe Fitzgerald comes back next year, but he's not going to be here forever. And uh, no Carson Palmer means big, big question marks there. So I'm going to ring the bell on the head coaching positions, but Hey, now you want to talk about AJ McCarron and Jarvis Landry with me? Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Listen, let's go ahead and talk about, let's talk about AJ McCarron because you know, everybody wants to talk about AJ McCarron. Hot news, everybody. A.J. McCarron won his grievance against the Bengals. He's been awarded unrestricted free agency. He had a grievance back to his rookie season where the Bengals kept him on a non-football injury list for all but two games uh, because they said he suffered a shoulder injury away from the team, uh, and that ultimately caused him to be a restricted free agent this offseason. Well, he's contended that that was wrong. Independent arbitrator agreed. Short story is he is now an unrestricted free agent, and he's looking at bringing in $20 million, which is – Wow, really? Uh, anyway, a little bit of background on McCarron, only Alabama quarterback to win back-to-back BCS championships. He has the third highest career completion percentage in SEC history and a ninth most career pass touchdowns in SEC history. Drafted fifth round in 2014 by the Bengals. He started three games in place of an injured Andy Dalton in 2015, including an AFC wildcard game. He's only had 133 career attempts, but he has a pretty strong 64.7% completion percentage and a passer rating of 93.6. And you might all recall that Hugh Jackson of the Browns almost managed to trade for him in the middle of last season, but the Browns in typical Browns fashion failed to get the paperwork in on time. So, Kirk Cousins is out there. Case Keenum is going to be out there. Teddy Bridgewater, other QBs all hitting the market and all those great QBs in the draft. How does McCarron stack up to that? Do you have any thoughts on uh, A.J. McCarron, Nas? Well, this could go one or two ways. Either somebody makes the stupid deal and overpays a guy where you see him spawn a sample size to make a real assessment on him. Or the the Matt Castle deal. (laughs) And let everybody else find find a chair. And then he ultimately just has to kind of take what's given. Uh, it's right. like, I, I just can't see a franchise really putting that much into this guy. Like, when, when he could have been had, uh, he, he lasted, as you said, into the fifth round because 
Right. He's not. He doesn't have tremendous physical gifts. And if we, you know, if we're honest, that Cincinnati team had great weapons during the time that he did play. Uh, right. So I'm glad he won his case, though, because that was typical Bengals trying to be cheap. Uh, so he right. should have won. That, that's a great thing. But I, I just don't think he's the answer for anything at, at quarterback for anybody. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna jump right onto that because I can say that you know AJ McCarron, although he was with a great Alabama team, the quarterbacks and those teams were not the key to their victories, right? I mean, it was their running backs right. and their defense. It had nothing to do with AJ McCarron. He just had to not turn over the ball. That was basically and, and hand off the ball. That was basically his job. And uh, so just because of the fact that he had a high completion percentage in Alabama and he won two BCS championships, I don't think that counts for anything. And honestly, folks. He spent four years behind Andy Dalton. I mean, think about that for a moment. Andy Dalton is not good. He's not good. And he's not there. I mean, if this guy was so good, why didn't he get a shot when Andy Dalton was healthy? You know, it's not like – I mean, the Bengals have been have been terrible. And, you know, so you got to think about that. You know, if he's going to come out from under there, everyone thinks he's been, he's been groomed and all that. Yeah, okay. Think about who, what competition he has. We're not talking about Garoppolo getting in front of Tom Brady, okay? We're talking about – Andy Dalton. So I just I just don't see it. I don't see why that he would be garnering that much attention. But I think that uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Hugh Jackson decides to take another shot and grab him for the Browns. And um, <laughs> and if that happens, I feel no. really sorry for Karen. I really feel. Okay. So let's just go ahead. And let's turn over to Jarvis Landry. Uh, in somewhat a surprising move, the Dolphins assigned a franchise tag to wide receiver Jarvis Landry on the first day that teams were allowed to use them. This is really, really surprising to a lot of people because there's no reason for them to just jump out and do this. But they did. Now, if Landry plays in 2018 under the franchise tag, he'll be guaranteed roughly $16 million, making him the league's third highest paid receiver for the year, behind only Antonio Brown and Des Bryant. Now, Jarvis Landry's 112 receptions last year led the NFL in his 400 catches in his first four seasons is the most by any receiver ever, second only to Anquan Bolden with 342. He was also ranked by Pro Football Focus as the 19th best receiver out of 116 eligible in 2017. However, his career average target depth is just 6.3 yards, third shortest among wide receivers with at least 200 targets over the four over the last four years. And Landry's 8.8 yards per reception average in 2017 ranked 114th out of 118 qualified receivers. And with all those catches, he didn't even crack 1,000 yards last season. Now, he did still score a career-best nine touchdowns last year, so there's that. Uh, and it's possible that the, they're close to an extension and they want to make sure he's locked up, and it's possible they want to tag and trade. Well, what do you think? Jarvis Landry. What are your thoughts on Jarvis Landry? Is he, is he worth keeping well, on a franchise tag here? Yeah, I, I think it's the last, things, the last two things you just said. Uh, I think they're looking for a sucker uh, to try to make a deal <laughs> that they can get through for him. And yep. The high TD rate last year, uh, that's one of those anomalies. Uh, you know, that's, that's one of those anomalies. Damn, I couldn't get that out. That happens, so you try to trade based on that this year. So next year you can expect touchdown regression because he's not necessarily a touchdown maker. And as you said, this is essentially a slot receiver that doesn't get many yards after the catch. So this is an overvalued guy all, all the way around. But if they can, you know, if they can hustle somebody and get something for him, why not? But if they end up having to do this franchise deal, then. Yeah, that, that franchise is going nowhere because that's horrible yeah. management of the cap. 
Yeah, I totally agree with that. And, and I actually do think this is, could be a, a tag-and-trade type of scenario. Uh, what everyone should focus on is that this is the non-exclusive franchise tag. If another team makes him a deal and they don't want to match that and he goes with them, that team owes them two first-round picks. So, honestly, they just hung a for-sale sign up on his locker and said, hey, come and get Landry if you like. But if you want him, price is going to be pretty high. And I think that that's kind of smart, but – Honestly, you get stuck with a $16 million slot receiver? I don't know. I mean, he's solid. He's good, right? I mean, I want Jarvis Landry on my team, but I don't want him to be my star receiver. The guy's kind of playing out of the slot, you know? He's averaging – I mean, he's not, he's not the guy that's going to break big moves. He's not going to go downfield for me. He's not going to blow to top off defenses. So, you know, that's, it's a, he's great. You know, let's, don't get me wrong. I think, I think Jarvis Landry is a fantastic player. I think he's owed his money. I think he's going to be – he's one of the best slot receivers out there. But come on, guys. He's not Antonio Brown. <laughs> he's not. Right. Uh, and he shouldn't be in the and, same and ballpark. Typically, typically, you want to get late-round guys as your slot guy just because of the amount of damage that they end up taking. And yeah. the other thing is, if he is laterally, you can't even really play him outside too much. Right. Because outside, uh, he typically can't get open or can't get the separation needed. So if yep. you put that kind of cap value into that guy, uh, yeah. I don't know what you're doing offensively. Yeah, I, I totally agree, and and you know it just it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me what's going on in Miami right now. But hey, uh, I don't think we're the first ones to wonder that. So <laughs> another Indeed. big head scratcher. We'll see how it turns out. All right, I'm ringing the bell on the podcast today. We are out of time. Hey, now thanks for joining us and uh, being a little bit of a co-host for this particular episode of the podcast. Feel free to DM me on uh, on uh, Twitter at, at fb garbage time, and we'll make sure you get back on the show next time. It was a great. Uh, it was great having you on. Uh, and until next time, everybody, enjoy your NFL week. We'll be back in two weeks, and we'll be talking more about the off season as well as a little bit of fantasy football as well. So everybody, have a good one. Have a good one. Yeah, thanks a lot. Nas.